You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, I'm Nick Fairby, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now. Call games at WPTS Radio and Diamond Production Assistant at ACC Network. And folks, we have a lot to talk about today. A very eventful weekend for Pitt on the football side and on the basketball side, but especially the basketball side. They got their first win over Boston College, and they also lost Ithiel Horton. We'll talk about both of those things today here on Locked on Pitt. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day, folks. Always appreciate that. And today's episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with the Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. And folks, I do need to kind of talk to you guys just about, you know, Pittman's basketball, because my goodness did everything happen this week. I mean, everything. They won their first game. They got a recruit. Ithio Horton is back on suspension, and even on the football side of things, we got more, you know, the coaching convention, so I'm certain we'll start hearing about offensive coordinator names here soon, and Desla Alexander returns. We have to talk about all of that, but we can't even fit it into one episode. So we're going to have to spread this out over two, maybe even three days. And I think the biggest thing coming out of this weekend, though, despite the win and despite Marlon Barnes committing, despite Desmond Alexander returning, despite all of that, uh, Ithiel Horton is back on suspension. And I think that was a, a big development for the program. And certainly, despite their first win and how good they should feel about that first win in conference, I think that this team has to have a feeling like that's a gut punch to them. And let's talk about, you know, that Ithiel Horton situation because there's so many layers to this. And, you know, I I can talk it, – it's it's easy to break it down, I guess, and lose, the, and lose the overall view of things because you can easily go into micro views and become very shallow-minded at the look of this entire situation. Because it is, it's not a, it's not a cut and dry situation. I think, and that's the thing about this Ithiel Horton situation is, pretty much any time you you have a player, that is involved with law enforcement, but especially when the accusation is that you assaulted a cop, felonious assault on a, on a police officer, that's a tough one to, completely just go, man, that is, this and this because. Here's the point. It's the charges are there, and you know that's why he's not playing, because he has four charges, including that felony. I think if these were misdemeanor, he would be playing. But the big the big thing is we don't really know what happened that night, right? So I, I'm not I can't assume that wow, Horton absolutely mugged this guy or hey, the cop is absolutely making this up. You cannot say anything of that nature. 
there are people that are going to assume stuff like that, but I can't be certain of either or in that situation. We don't know anything. We don't have any footage. All we have is the testimony of that cop, and we haven't heard it yet. And that this that's where some of this stuff gets into a little bit of murky waters. Because they requested a continuance, and the officer was late, obviously, on the second hearing that they had moved up. So th that's one that is tough. And by moving it up and them not showing up, that's what caused the charges to be dropped because the, the cop, again, is their main witness. And, and they, they doesn't seem like they have footage. Otherwise, I do feel like they wouldn't need the police officer's testimony as much because if the, if the footage showed it, it, it would speak for itself, right? So there, there's things to talk about in this situation. Horton, though, gets arrested again on Saturday... He's out on non-monetary bond, and the charges are refiled. And so, I, I mean, that makes sense to me, because if you know anything, the, the DA is just not going to let you get off on stuff relating to police officers, right? Like, you, that if from their perspective, they have to back up their cops. It, it, that's what they have to do. And this situation is so tough, because I think there's a few angles you can come at it from. One, are they jerking Ithiel Horton around a little bit here? Again, it's it's tough here. I don't know the validity of the charges, and so I'm not going to assume anything. But not showing up twice to the hearing, especially one that was very clearly showcased and, and the date was set and they moved it up and it was supposed to hasten this process for Ithiel Horton. And then the charges get dismissed, and then you refile them, and now he's back on suspension. He plays for one game, and yeah, I mean, it feels like that if you are Jeff Capel, Ithiel Horton, and the Pitt basketball program. It feels like that, right? And so, it's a tough one, regardless of the validity of the charges. And basically, Ithiel Horton, I think, has to be feeling like crap right now. And rightfully so, and, and maybe this is where I think I, I get firm statements. Because, I don't, again, I don't know the validity of those charges. I don't know the validity of any of whose story. I don't know that. But I, what, what I do come, come down to is I, I hate the flip-flopping that Pitt did. You know, the charges get dropped on Horton. He plays against Louisville, and then they immediately get reinstated, and he's suspended again. It, it, so it certainly feels like that the, the university policy is that if you have a felony charge against you, you will not play. That's the same thing that happened to John Hughley last year. We don't really have many examples of that for Pitt football because that quite honestly has not been an issue for them. But that honestly feels like kind of the right thing. And that that's... That's how they did it. But, man, I disagree with how Pitt administration is dealing with this. Because you want to talk about playing with the emotions of a college athlete. I don't think you can play with their emotions more than that. That just happened to Ithiel Horton. You know, you get him to play one game, and he's coming around for shoot-around at Boston College. He's literally with the team 
and then you suspend him again, right before, right before tip, essentially. And I, I hate that you do that flip-flopping. So what I, 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 my biggest concern here is just make one decision. Keep it going, one or the other. Either have Vithiel Horton play or have him not play. Because this was reported before we knew these charges were going to be refiled, right? I mean, Craig Meyer reported it of the Post-Gazette. This was out there. It was known. This wasn't some secret. The DA made it very known they were going to refile these charges. They didn't say when, but they knew it was. And so, you you either, one, you either commit to saying, okay, if you we know that they're going to refile the charges. And trust me, Pitt administration knew it. If, if, if we knew it, they knew it. And they had better contact with the DA to know when, probably, too. But here's the thing. You're going to say, okay, Ithiel, we're going to let you play, even after the charges get refiled, and that's going to be that, and that's how it's working. Or, okay, we know the charges are going to get refiled, so that means another hearing is coming. So, really, what we're actually going to do is we're going to keep that suspension on. And that way you don't play with the, the guy's emotions, man. It feels bad for Ithio, and I think Jeff Capel hit that right on the head. Kind of, that the emotions at play for Ithio and the emotions at play for the team, kind of the jerking around, it's the, the jerking around that he's experiencing. It's got to be so stark, and, and it's a tough situation to break down. But I really do think the handling of it by the Pitt administration in terms of how they enforce that and, and the flip-flopping that they did over the course of about a week and a half I do not agree with that. I think you got to make one decision and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we feel we can break it down. And and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to stay constant. So either one, Ithiel's going to keep playing, or two, Ithiel's going to sit down. So that way you just don't tear jerk this guy around and play with him and, and you know give him that ray of hope that he's going to play basketball. And then all of a sudden it's torn away from him. And as a college athlete, if you know anything about that, your athletic program is quite literally your, it's your life. You breathe that. And so when that's taken away, right after you get it back, it's going to make you appreciate it. But man, to get it jerked like that right back after you feel like you had gotten it back, that's a tough one. I do feel bad for Ithiel Horton. Now, folks, we'll talk a little bit more about the Horton case. We'll also talk about kind of this win over Boston College and, and what it means and what Pitt's outlook is now that they are without Horton for the foreseeable future. However, first, I need to let you know about Built Bar. Folks, do you want a protein bar that is tasty but still has the health benefits? Well, I got you. Listen, it's Built Bar. With all many great flavors and the taste that is not chewy, waxy, or overall bad like other protein bars, Protein Bar has you and built bar is that protein bar that you want so folks listen if you want something that tastes like chocolate again this is covered 100 real chocolate i know you're going to want it with flavors like coconut almond raspberry all these different flavors they have over 15 to 20 flavors and there's new limited time flavors coming out all the time on builtbar.com you get low calories low in sugar and low in net carbs and high in protein so you get all of the health benefits you want. Now, folks, all you have to do is go to built.com, use our promo code LAC15, you can get 15% off of your first order. So that's all you have to do. Head over to built.com right now, use our promo code LAC15 to get 15% off at built.com. 
All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked on Pit Podcast as we are talking Ithio Horton and Pitt men's basketball here. And as I said, complicated situation really is not cut and dry. There's a lot of gray area here. There's just a lot I don't know about the case. So all I can do is is experience handling, right? So all I can do is break down the handling of it for you. And, and that, to me, I think the consistency of it from the Pitt administration and it's probably my biggest issue with it. And that's been my biggest issue. I, I Listen, I don't know what's going on in, in the police officer's life. I don't know if he, had a, if he had a family death. I don't know. That could have absolutely happened. And so, listen, they set it up that his next, next hearing is January 26th at 10 a.m. So that's your, that's your target date there. If he can get that charge released, it's possible that he could be back with the team at the end of the month. That's what the target date is here. And again, you know, you hope there that they aren't jerking him around. But I can't comfortably say that they are. I don't know enough about the situation. And it's it's one that there's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of smoke that's going around about it. But it's all unsubstantiated rumors that is not confirmed. It's not something that you want to gossip about. Because this is not a, a matter that is easy. Because Ethio Horton right now certainly has to be feeling some type of way about it. And I'm certain that Jeff Capel's going to bat for Ithio Horton and, and everything is going there, but it's a tough situation. Again, I think my biggest gripe with it right now is that I just don't think Pitt administration handled this correctly. You know, if you knew that the charges were going to be refiled after the officer missed the hearing, after they requested a continuance, after basically every sign in the book that they were going to do that, you got to decide one way or another. You don't jerk around Ithia Horton like that, and I think that's the biggest thing. But as as it pertains to the actual case, you know, it's very gray. It's very vague. We don't know really anything about it. It's all rumors. I mean, there's certainly rumors about it, but it's not substantive enough, right? Like, it's nothing that I'm going to discuss because it's it's there's no validity in there yet you know if we knew cut and dry like this is what happened and there was video and, and everything and like this is clearly what happened with Ithio Horton and this police officer on the south side that night like that is different story I don't think we know any of the validity of it I do think there is some merit to say they're jerking him around a little bit here but again I don't know what's going on in that police officer's life either who knows if he had a death in the family or whatever happened so this is, there's many layers to this, and it's not black and white. It's very gray, and there's a lot of minutia that we are missing there. But just from the point of emphasis that this dude was reinstated and is now resuspended, you can easily say what Pitt administration did was wrong to Ithia Horton. I don't like how they handled it. I don't like how they themselves are jerking around with Ithia Horton right now, and I think that is truly the one thing that is irking me about the situation with Ithia Horton and why I do feel for him right now overall. Now, let's flip gears a little bit here because the basketball team did play that day, and they won. Literally, again, as I said, about an hour and a half before tip, Ithia Horton was resuspended, and Pitt learned they were going to be without him, so there goes the game plan, there goes the prep. Players obviously have this emotional hit to them. Capel himself, if you heard Jeff Capel talk about it, he said he got real emotional about the whole thing, and, and it was tough for him to see that, knowing that Ithiel was not going to play. And so this is a tough situation for 
pit overall, but they persevered and they win 69-67. Certainly was not a pretty game at all, and I mean that. This was not a pretty game for Pitt, and they grinded it out, that's for sure. They didn't score a field goal in the last four minutes, and yet they win this game. But I think the biggest story of the game, and, and I think just... You know, outside of they're not going to be stallings and they're not going to put up an offer in the ACC is John Hughley. I mean, good grief. John Hughley, 32 points, 13 rebounds, 15 of 20 from the charity stripe. This dude is a man possessed. Unbelievable. I mean, I have seen many good players come through pit in my time. And... I have seen DeWan Blair, I've seen Sam Young, I've seen LeVance Fields, I've seen all these guys. There's tons more. I have seen it. John Hughley's as good of a big man as Pitt has had in a long time. He is. He's up there. An absolute dominant guy that can beat you on the block any day of the week. He's a guy that has an inconsistent but developing jumper that I think he's really trying to get down. Just an absolute brick house that that can post up anyone in the ACC you saw Boston College they could not handle this dude straight up John Hughley absolutely dominated Boston College's big men and the big man right now is that you put the two big men in three fouls early on in this game so they had to go to their third center that barely plays. Their center this year, Justin Vanderbon, had played 14 minutes coming into this game. He played 15 minutes in this game. And Quentin Post and James Carnick both fouled out of this game, thanks to John Hughley. Hughley, 20 free throws. Again, 20 free throws. That's unbelievable. 20 free throws from John Hughley, 15 of 20 from the line. The guy is an absolute machine, uh, just dominant, and he's really improved as a defender too. Very, very good footwork. He doesn't look cinder blocked like he did last year. I thought he had heavy feet last year, very light on his feet, high IQ. He's learning how to deal with those double teams. He did have seven turnovers, so that is something you would like to see him improve on, those double teams where they come and close out on him, and they just sell it to stop him. You would like to see him kind of understand how to read and react and say, hey, this is where the point is and this is where I need to get my guys to. But, man, Hughley is a dominant force right now. And he, he leads the, the nation in free throw attempts. And that's that's just showcasing you how much he gets to the line, how hard it is to stop John Hughley. He is one of the best big men Pitt has had in a long time for good reason. He's got a great, great body, I think, where he's just built wide and he's tough to stop and in and you can stop him by trying to double him but Pitt actually has gotten a, the ability to at least make something happen outside of that Burton has stepped up Femio Ducali sometimes stepped up and, and I think Mogi's really stepped up but Hughley right now he'll miss Horton the most because Horton can open up those opportunities for him but it felt like even sometimes when they were doubling him it didn't matter because John Hughley was just so physical and so physically demanding and dominating that Boston College could not keep up. And, and so John Hughley is phenomenal. You know, you got to appreciate how good Hughley is and, and you hope that, that he's here for in the future for Pitt because, wow, the ceiling with this guy 
is unbelievable. It really is. And folks, we'll continue to talk about the basketball game. But first, let me let you know about GetUpside. Hey, Pit fans, this is Nick Farrell with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. So just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 cents cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. All right, folks, let's keep discussing this win over Boston College from the Pitt basketball team. A big win for this Pitt basketball team getting, finally, the close game to go towards their side. And it felt like that Pitt overall as a team didn't, nothing felt cohesive throughout the game because they had those lapses. They certainly had lapses defensively, but... BC made a few deep threes, and you were wondering, wow, what is it going to take for these guys to not make these deep threes or bank in two threes? And and they were taking logo threes. I mean, it was way deep, way deep. Some of those threes, it's just hard. You would have to stretch your defense all the way out, and it was really tough. But Pitt overall, you saw some good things from some guys. Will Jeffress, I think, had some really good plays in that second half. Creating off the dribble drive, being able to come down the elbow or use that elbow for good leverage or shoot up from down on the block. There were a lot of good things, I thought, that actually transpired for Pitt in that game, especially for... Will Jeffers. The mid-range game was great. He had a great drive where he spun and turned around and made a great play. If he can start to do that, you're going to see a lot more of Will Jefferson, a lot of good things offensively for him. He needs to continue to do that because, man, that was huge. I think Will Jeffers really, really proved to be a real catalyst for this team. And and Jeffers overall has been a guy that you just look at, and he's marred with inconsistency. The stats certainly don't jump out at you. He's averaging about six points a game with about five rebounds to boot. It's fine, but at first starter, it's not great. They don't jump out at you. And he's not been a good three-point shooter. And he, at A lot of times, he looks like he's lost with the ball in his hands. But, but if he can do that and build off this and really turn it into something good, man, the, the things that can happen for Pitt... It's endless, and you'd love to see that from a guy like Will Jeffress, a young guy that is supposed to be part of the young core you're building, and he really did showcase some really good things. He's a strong defender. He's a really good rebounder right now, but can he develop that offensive game? Can he develop a threat? Because sometimes when he's out there, it feels like it is not 5-on-5. It's 4-on-5. Femi Odicali had a few rough times here in this game, but obviously the big dunk was huge for him. He hit a key three. Had a few key dishes. I continue to think Onye Zayakuda 
plays high level. He's a really good defender. I mean, he's a pest, to, to say the least. Onyeze Kudo is such a high-level defender. Gives Pitt a lot of different change of paces on offense. He's so explosive. He's so quick that he can just easily drive into the lane and dish it out or dish it underneath. He does a lot of really good things. And I really do like what you see out of Isaiah Kudo because he's a guy that really gives you confidence that working at that point guard position, you can dish it to Burton and you like can let Burton or Oda Cali create their own drives as long as Isaiah Kudo is manning that point guard position. The only thing about him is I would like to see him pull the trigger a little bit more on some of those three-pointers where they think, you know, Onye's not going to take it, but he's proven himself to be a capable three-point shooter this year, so... If he gets a few of those opportunities in the corner, I think he should go away with it and just go with it. He had a few of those in this game and, and didn't pull the trigger that I thought he probably should have uh, pulled the trigger on. I will say as well that Jamarius Burton has been much better than I think anyone thought he would be. Elite free throw shooter for Pitt this year. 6-6 six six from the line again. He's been automatic, made a few real key free throws down the stretch. He's a guy that's also finding his way from three-point land, honestly, over the last few games. He's shooting 38% from downtown, so that, that'll be good. He obviously has that mid-range game. But he's a guy that, that has really played good defense. He's took two very key charges uh, as well. He's a guy that's savvy defensively. He is the leader. He is the voice of this pit team. And so that is exactly what you look at when you say, that's what Pitt needs, and Pitt's not a good team. They're still not a good team, and they have lots of warts and things to work on, but you at least can see guys like Burton, like Gee, like Hughley, obviously, like Jeffers. Though you, you take the, the positives you get from them and you go with it, and I think that's the overall important thing because Femi Cali has his struggles. Jamarius Burton times has his struggles. Will Jeffers certainly has his struggles. In fact, just the shooting struggles, but overall, Pitt did a great job in this game. The the boards were were really big. I think for Pitt, out rebounding Boston College thirty eight to twenty seven. Boston College had come into the game, averaging just over in terms of rebound margin. They were averaging about six rebounds per game over their opponent. So they often did win the boards, but Pitt won in this game on the boards and and obviously also down low in the paint. While the points in the paint actually went to Boston College, Hughley. Drew so many fouls down low. They just didn't have an answer for it. The, the BC big men just had no idea of how to deal with John Hughley. It was just, it was not fair. Pitt shot 43% from the three-point line. And again, 6 of 14 is nothing special, but you take that considering what they have had this year. And, and there, were, there were lots of leads that evaporated. It was like a seesaw. But you take this game, you take the positive developments that come with it, and you hope you can build on it. And Syracuse is a winnable game. And again, without Ithiel Horton, it's going to be a little bit tough because to break that that zone, that Syracuse zone, of course, it's you're going to need that three-point ability, and not having Horton is going to be tough. But, hey, Pitt needs to build off something. They've played close in every single game of ACC play so far. and Maybe they can get a few, few wins here and stack them up. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening to the Locked on Pit Podcast. Tomorrow we'll talk about Desmond Alexander returning to Pitt and what the D-line could look like next year for Pitt's football team. We'll also talk about Marlon Barnes Jr. committing to Pitt basketball. Does that change the outlook on Jeff Capel? We'll all talk about that tomorrow on Locked on Pit. And as always, folks, thanks for listening and hail to Pitt.